Welcome into episode 59 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today we are doing something completely different. Uh, we've had our go-to NBA analyst, beat writer, insider, best person on the planet in terms of NBA news. We've had him on, I think, twice in the past. I think to preview this last season going into it, I think we had a mid-season, like, how are things going type thing. And the NBA season has officially come to an end. So we're back with Zach Gagan. Uh, he is our resident NBA NBA guy at KSR, and we really appreciate uh, having him on. We uh, Okay, so before I actually introduce – well, first off, Zach, how are you doing today? Well, I'm very happy to have you. I'm doing fantastic. I'm glad that I finally get to uh, experience that intro music for Source to Say again. There so you that's go. That's the best part about coming on. It's beautiful. There you go. I'm glad. I'm glad you uh, get to finally witness it and with your own two ears and your own two eyes. Um, so, Zach, Zach and I have been doing a podcast called The Max over the last several months with uh, Maggie Davis, who just left us at KSR. Uh, it's been just the three of us. It's kind of like the young generation podcast on our show, on, on our, on our network where we just kind of do a r typical run through of the latest college basketball news, latest NBA news, latest, you know, Kentucky basketball recruiting, whatever the latest and greatest news is going on in, in the world of UK athletics. That's it's kind of a condensed 30 minutes real quick, get in, get out um, um, news show of sorts. Uh, and then Maggie decided to go get a big girl job and leave us. Uh, she got hired on at LEX 18 to work with the BBN Tonight Show. Um, we love her to death. We're excited for her. We're very proud of her. She's going to kill it there. She already is killing it. She's already been on the job for a week or two now. So uh, we're very, very happy for her. But that leaves a massive hole in the quick updated news uh, that we desperately need on the KSR podcast feed. So uh, Zach and I, we are currently in the process of trying to figure out where to put this show. Um, so this is going to go on the, the source to say feed for this week. Uh, but we're actively planning on our own a uh, little bit of individual network. So this, this episode this week is not going to replace our typical recruiting heavy, you know, what's the latest with basketball news, all that stuff that's going to happen this week as well. Uh, this is going to be like just an extra, you know, e extra credit edition. So Without further ado, the NBA season is officially done. The bubble worked. They officially got it. They, they got it set up down in Orlando. We had a full four months inside the bubble, had a preseason, had a regular season, and a postseason all in one. The Los Angeles Lakers are your 2020 NBA champions. Zach, what are your immediate thoughts on how things went uh, the you know the the outcome of the events and uh, just just in general what you what you thought of the the NBA bubble. Well, if you were a uh, if you were a frequent uh, listener of the Max, you would know that I did not enter the bubble um, idea coming you know with a lot of optimism. We'll say uh, so. He was our resident. He was our resident pessimist. Yes, yes. So I had someone had to bring down the vibes a little bit, and I was always there to do that, but. They went that that was the best part, the most impressive part about the entire four month thing, which I think when we first started the max, I think the bubble was just starting. So we talked about it pretty much every single time on the episode on the show. And it probably took me until the seventh or eighth episode to be like, wow, they could probably do this whole thing and actually make it through. And once we made it in the playoffs, it was there was no reason to believe they couldn't. So the fact that they made it all through everything, um, 
zero cases all around. The WNBA did the same thing. The MLS did the same thing. So uh, pretty cool that they have, I guess, in an unprecedented event, they have now set a precedent of how you can successfully navigate through a pandemic and play sports, which is pretty cool. And shout out to the Lakers yeah. and AD, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, I mean, just to think of, okay, this stuff is all happening at once. The, everybody's scrambling at the same time going, oh my God, how do sports work? How can we put this together? How is this going to, you know, come to fruition and be successful without not having, you know, any outbreaks or, you know, serious cases, whatever, the, you know, whatever was going through everybody's minds. The, I mean, I'm sure it was going through the NBA, you know, Adam Silver and, and all of their minds as well, uh, you know, trying to navigate this safely healthily and you know just successfully i mean you know making sense financially i mean there were just so many different aspects of this that made this just impossible at least from the surface level that where you thought okay yeah i mean it makes sense to put everybody in an isolated location put them in a bubble quote unquote and let that be you know let it happen but there was just so many other factors that led to pessimism and doubts and and all that i mean and they were just i mean they were completely justified um and now that we are here we actually got an nba champion it's the los angeles lakers anthony davis lebron james i mean like the fact that we are finally here and we can now look back at it and go wow i cannot believe they actually did that and i can't believe that it worked as well as it did i mean it's just it really is cool to see from start to finish the ideas of it bubbling originally <laughs> bubbling hey, uh, look at you. To, the, to see it you know the, the ideas brewing originally to okay I think we're gonna try this to okay we're doing this okay it's about done can we get this last home stretch can we get through the last couple of weeks we're bringing in family members we're bringing in you know different media members at different times okay can we successfully you know navigate these last couple of weeks and then bam we're officially you know bubbles over we have we've officially done it so uh props to them i mean really really well done uh, i thought the product itself was fantastic i thought the virtual environment of fans and all that i mean it wasn't the same it's but well it, it, it created it created a new fresh take on how do we navigate through this safely and still make it have a, a home court feel uh, of sorts so they, they did a bunch of new things, innovative things to make this a, a real feeling NBA season and playoffs and finals. And uh, we're, we're finally here. So I think that brings us to the next question. Does this feel to you, we, you know, we, we got a successful season, the season's over. We have technically crowned a champion. But Zach, do you personally think that this felt like a real NBA finals. Did this feel like when you look back five years from now, how are you going to look back at LeBron's title in this case and, you know, the run itself and the Lakers winning their 17th uh, world championship? Well, so I don't hide the fact that I am a LeBron James fan and I have been for some time now. I'm a Cleveland Cavaliers fan by uh, my own stupidity, I guess, but I still cheer for Very much stupidity. But, um, Looking back, this this finals will definitely be different. It will always have an asterisk next to its mark on its Wikipedia page. There will always be a little, will always be like, yeah, but that was such a weird, a weird championship. But it in no way should be discredited by any means. If anything, there's a lot of people have argued that it should be, you know, this was a harder championship turn. This was probably, if you're really comparing it to all the other championships, 
or in the previous 70 years of the NBA history, this one had to be the hardest to do just because of all the circumstances and everything and being locked inside of a Orlando bubble for three or almost four months. I think it ended up being um, not seeing family and all that. And then um, just being, I guess, having LeBron do it too will make it more memorable. It, I don't think it would have been as memorable, honestly, if Miami had won, even though they were the underdog. But mm-hmm. LeBron winning it, um, doing it for for Kobe, you know, and uh, having everything that's kind of happened to the Lakers this past year, even though they're by no means a um, downtrodden franchise, even though yeah. they, they think the last decade has – the last decade for the like the Lakers has been – 75% of the Cavaliers existence. So yeah. Lakers, they can miss me. All the, all the Lakers fans can miss me with this. We've been counted out stuff, but yeah. the, the Lakers yeah. winning will make it a more memorable finals because of that. And just the circumstances of having to go through. So I, it was over a hundred days that they were all mm-hmm. in there. So that's in, you know, unprecedented times just in general. And then having to follow all the guidelines of this, of the coronavirus and all that stuff. And then the no fans thing, I'm sure threw them for a loop at the beginning. I'm, I'm wondering, I would love for someone to ask them being like, was like at the end of the bubble, was it just like playing? Did you even notice that you were playing in a bubble or what was the vibes, you know, stuff like that. But just in general to address, to answer your actual question, uh, this will be a different finals that we'll remember for the next 50 years, but it will be remembered as one of the hardest ones to win. Yeah. I, my mind changed a little bit uh, as the, as it all progressed throughout the, throughout the regular, regular season of the bubble. Um, it, it felt awkward. You know, I, I was still personally getting used to the virtual fans. I was still getting used to the idea that we're okay. We're not in a, a real arena right now. We are in a little square makeshift, you know, they, it's cramped. It's, you know, a small little area that they meant to, you know, instead of having a wide open space with no fans and very obvious, you know, empty seats and all that stuff, they wanted to make it feel cramped and, and compressed and have a lot of busyness going on in that AAU cramped space style. to make it feel like an AAU event where, yeah, it's a big, big facility, but we want it to feel boxed in and, and, and create that, you know, that, that, that busy feel that you get with, with a full audience, full fan, fan base, all that stuff. Um, so it, it took a while to get used to me, to it for me when the playoffs started. And especially with like uh, Luka Doncic's John Doncic's um, uh, game winning three, and the Jamal Murray versus Donovan Mitchell, you know, when we started getting that true playoff basketball feel, that's when it started kind of going, holy crap, this is like, this is, this feels right. This feels real. This is what we're supposed to be feeling right now. Um, but I got to admit when we, and it might just me because I'm a diehard Celtics fan and, and we got kicked out of the Eastern Conference Finals. It might just for me personally, I wasn't, as emotionally invested in the finals and for that reason it didn't feel as real for me just you know when you watch that final game it ended up being a blowout so it wasn't the big you know tense end of game moment that you know people were kind of expecting uh and you know when the confetti started dropping and everybody was jumping around in the middle and all that it just you know there was something about it that was just kind of like this would be a lot different if this were in front of, you know, the diehard fans at Staples Center or even in Miami seeing the angry Heat fan, you know, 
there, just that final moment. I almost wish we were able to get all the way up to the finals, crown, you know, get a finals matchup, and then go back to the real, the real deal scenario where in front of fans. And obviously that wasn't going to happen. They had to do it this way. But uh, it, it, I was there all the way up until the very last game. And it was just kind of like, man, I, I really wish we got to experience that. But given the circumstances, given what we had to go through, it, I mean, there's no other way to do it. And the fact that we were able to do it successfully and look as good as it did, the product was fantastic. I mean, across the board, it was just a, it was a flawless 10 out of 10, you know, product that the NBA put forth. I was very, very pleased with, with all of it. It honestly only took me a couple of days to really get accustomed to the new environment of all the, you know, the virtual fans. I honestly love the virtual fans. I loved how they had, they would always have one kind of celebrity guest, uh, yeah. show up or something like that they'd always point them out um i think i figured out how that system worked too it was like how you got picked it was like a lottery based system uh, mm-hmm. for season ticket holders so that's kind of how they uh, picked and choose if anyone was wondering uh how you got to go on the board there but um <clears throat> sorry what were we uh what, were, what was the initial it was just you know we were just kind of bringing up the how you know how it was made how things went all that stuff and, and the, the realness of oh, it. yeah well um, so, so yeah it, did, it only took me a couple of days to actually get accustomed to it i think part of it though was because i was watching so much of it uh just constantly every day that it just kind of felt you know it kind of felt the same like it all just all just ran together at, at one point so it honestly hasn't felt like we've been watching three months of basketball crazy enough but i i wish they the had thing. i wish it was like an au style there where they had like two courts maybe even a third court like in the same spot and they had like three yeah. games going at the same time i think that would be, be fantastic good. yeah um but as far as like the feel for the actual finals like there was not particularly the finals but there were several times throughout the actual playoffs where like there was a big game like especially for the nuggets there was a couple nuggets games where like that whole day i was like all right mm-hmm. like, we got a nuggets game tonight like jamal murray's gonna, oh yeah he's gonna have to score another 50 points for them to come back down three one like so there was a lot of times where I was like very emotionally invested into it and the crowd, the lack of crowd noise and atmosphere and all that didn't bother me too much. I'm sure it was awkward when the Lakers won though. And, you know, like you were saying, even if it, if it was in American Airlines Center down in Miami, you know, there's still 20,000 people there screaming and cheering. Although knowing Heat fans, you know, there would have been like five left by halftime. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely different for them. I'm sure it was actually kind of awkward. Like when they were doing the, uh, like post-game ceremonies and stuff, like having Rachel Nichols talk to LeBron and Davis and everyone, like they weren't talking to anyone really specifically. They were just talking to a camera instead of, you know, people in the crowd and stuff like that. So that was kind of weird. Um, It kind of led for a little bit of awkward moments when they were talking, but, you know, it was just one of those. It was just There there was no Cleveland, this is for you moment. There was no anything is possible. Like there was no, there was no oomph. To the final, I mean, the, the everything leading up to that final moment was perfect. It was just that final, man. It just part of it was part. I think part of it was the blowout. Part of it was the blowout. Part of it was you know the fact that you know the, they were injured. For, you know, I mean, there were just so many different factors in the finals that made it such a. Uh, you know, I, I wish it were, they were at full health all six games. I wish that we got the full experience of of the competitiveness. I mean, we still got that. You know, the Jimmy. I thought that Jimmy Butler. You know, game was. I think it was was a game four. 
where we had, game, we had two triple doubles. The, he had game two and four, game the, the, over the, five. Game five was yeah. the second triple double. The 40, 12, and 12 game or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, that, that, was, that was where it was like, oh, wow. Okay. This yeah. is this is something special. We're witnessing something very special. So, I mean, it, it, it was a perfect product only. And I would, I would even argue up until the last minute of the actual game of the last, uh, the last game of the season was perfect. It was just that final like celebration awkwardness that I, I was just like, short man, change that, that was just, yeah, little, little short change, but that's again, fair though. I mean, I'm sure the Lakers did too. Yeah. Yeah. But Championship rings all look the exact same, whether you got them in a bubble or a exactly. or an actual actual. Well, speaking of rings, AD just got his first. How about that? That's oh, pretty big. Okay, big time. Okay, uh, John Calipari, you're going into the John Calipari experience. Did you think at Kentucky? Did you think it would take this long? for one of his former players to win a title um you know and are you surprised that anthony davis was the first um honestly i kind of am because i i figured it would have been something like you know how jody meeks won the title last year with the raptors Mm -hmm. i figured it would have been some bs like that like you know uh brandon knight like finangles his way as the 12th man on like the warriors or something like that but Mm -hmm. it ended up being anthony davis as the second best player on the team uh lead them there so that was mm-hmm. that it, I guess it shouldn't surprise me in that aspect but you know because if, if you had to pick a former Cal player it probably would have been AD just because the timeline works out he was you know in the third year or second what was it second or third third year uh Cal's yeah. tenure so it kind of works out in that way that you know John Wall didn't get it mainly because of injuries so AD was actually really next in line to be the guy him or Boogie and Boogie kind of the same thing with injuries so AD was next in line and if you think about it like AD's really only our third – he was really only the third superstar that Cal had coming in. You know, you had Boogie and Wall, and then it was AD. So then think of all yeah. the other superstars after him that are now in the league and you know, another five or six years. I wonder how many titles we could be looking at for former Cal, Cal players as well. Will people look back at the – will former Kentucky players look at the Anthony Davis situation like Carl Towns, like a Devin Booker, like a – um, you know, De'Aaron Fox. Are they looking at this situation and how it came to fruition with Davis forcing his way out of New Orleans, saying, I can't, I, you know, I love this city, love it to death, but I'm not winning a title here. And those are my biggest dreams. I don't care about money. I mean, he does care about money, but he cares more about winning, winning championships and being a, a true competitor for a title than you know, we're signing a super max and not worrying about winning games for the, you know, like John wall, where mm-hmm. right now it's about cashing checks, not about winning titles for him. I mean, that'll change in the near future, There's but he betrayed him to start. Yeah. It just, no, just, uh, but do you think that people, you know, guys like Booker, guys like cat are going to look at the Davis situation and say, all right, well, I got to do it. What, what Davis did demand a trade and get out of here. I think it's going to happen with cat. It will happen with Cat in a couple in a few years. I think it absolutely will. because he's Davis is his precedent, like in the almost in almost the exact same way. You know, number one pick from Kentucky, shit team. They've been terrible for years, bad front office. Um, so the front office has pretty much just like been revamped over this past year. So if they're going to do something, it's probably going to be in the next year or two. Um, but if they don't, you know, Cat's 
Cat's going to look exa- – he's going to – you're exactly right. He's going to see what Davis did, and he's going to be like, well, why shouldn't I what, – what, what is holding me back from going to do that, you know? And there will be other guys that will want to go and play with him, absolutely, like a Booker or, you know, he's got D'Lo on his team now, but let's be real, you know, D'Lo and Cat aren't going to win a title in the next five years. There's going to need, need to be more. That was, that was a decision by the front, Minnesota front office. Okay, let's make him happy while we build a contender. Yeah. Like – Let's, because if he gets disgruntled right now, we don't. Yeah, I mean, it's it was about to happen that, with Giannis. That was no a, one's going to stop talking about Giannis for the next year because of that situation in Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, I think Giannis is as good as gone. I really do. I mean, I just, I, yeah, I, just I don't, think I don't that see him. You, even if he's a free, if he makes it this past year, he'll leave as a free agent. I mean, with how good that team is, I mean, it, it, like you can't say they haven't built a contender around him. I mean, they have been damn good for the last three full years you know I mean he's been he's been good in in Milwaukee for you know a few more than that but that that team has been a contender for three solid years now and it and it seems like they're if anything taking steps backward than they are actually taking I mean this 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 year was a nightmare scenario for that franchise yeah so you look at that situation you look at guys like Cat you look at guys like Booker where they are doing enough personally. They are doing all they can personally, putting up all the numbers and accolades that you could possibly ask for. But when push comes to shove, it always boils down to winning for them at the end of the day. And as as Davis just, you know, Davis kind of looked like the villain there for a while. Oh, they took a chance on you. The city of New Orleans embraced you. They loved you so dearly. And you gave up on them. And now people are looking at him and going, eh, I'd probably do the same thing if I were you. Yeah, weird how it all worked out, right? Yeah. So, uh, so uh, okay, who's going to be the first? Who's going to be the first former Wildcat to get out of his current situation and uh, go ex- go explore the contending route? So you think of like a Davis situation? Davis situation. I, I do think it'll be Cat. I really do. Uh, just based yeah. on, you know, if we're talking immediately, I think it'll be Cat. I don't think Booker's probably on that trajectory. Darren Fox, potentially. Um, uh, but then, like, you know, Bam, Bam's set for life down there in Miami. He's, they, he's contending now. Yeah. Yeah. If I was, if I were Miami, I would, I'd try and make him a 20 year. You don't do anything to let him leave. So, and then you got Tyler and like Shay's probably going to be fine. And there's a, there's a lot of guys that'll be fine in their situations, but Cat um, for sure. He's just, he's already kind of that type of guy where he just he likes to say weird stuff to the media whether it's whether he knows it's good or bad or not so his name will always be floating around there and he wants to win he's always been about you know wanting to win and he does not take losing lightly and he's not going to continue to take losing in minnesota lightly when he can go and win in the west coast you're gonna lose go do it in and you know, in the south, else. go 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 anywhere. I mean, I'm I'm the resident. I have all the family members up in Minnesota and all that. I'm here to tell you right now. If I were in cat shoes, I'd get the hell out of there. I yeah. would 100%. You know, find the perfect situation for me and and uh, take advantage of it while you can. Um, all right. Who was the the biggest? surprise performer of the bubble for you who who do you think had their biggest coming out party uh, among former wildcats and and you know kind of bodes the best for the for the future there's probably a few answers but ad is probably your the most obvious answer just because of 
going from, like you said, almost a villain to uh, putting up 28 and 12 in the finals and being pretty much the most unguardable player on the floor, not, more unguardable than LeBron James in the sense that Anthony Davis's mid-range jumper just wouldn't miss and they no one yeah. could guard him. So it was just impossible. But if you're looking at other players, I think Tyler Hero absolutely established himself. Tyler Hero, the la very last game of the finals, going to score seven points. Every single game before that in the playoffs, he'd hit double digits. So he was he's a killer, primetime killer, and he's not going anywhere for a while. He's gonna he's just gonna have to get better at all the little minor things that he's really really bad at. Um, yeah, and there are there are so there are a select few things that he is very very bad at. That's okay, and it's he'll okay. get better he's at it. The Heat will make him get better at it, so I'm not particularly worried. I think. Kelton Johnson had a really big uh, – he pretty much had – he had the actual coming out party. If you want to talk about someone that went from who the hell is this guy to, oh, my gosh, Kelton Johnson is one of the better players on the Spurs right now. So mm -hmm. that was a very good sign just for them going forward because they got DeMar DeRozan is going to be a uh, free agent. I think he has a player option this summer. But, you know, they've got a lot of things that they're going to have to figure out with Greg Popovich too. And LaMarcus Aldridge, yeah. I'm sure, has got his uh, contract ending soon. So having a guy like Kelton Johnson pop up out of nowhere was – probably a little uh um impressive for that spurs organization or to see all that um let's see who, who's another what's what's uh what's an answer for you i mean you got to look at jamal murray i mean that was right. that he yep. he jumped from he jumped from very very good player to star player for sure i mean i think i think he 100 established stardom uh in, booker in as well bubble. and then book i mean and i think booker is the other guy that Booker was always a guy that could put up an infinite amount of points, but were they empty stats? Were the was was what Booker was doing? Was it just because he was the only good player on a very bad team, and somebody had to score the points, so it had to have been you know might as well have been Booker case, or is it because he's a true killer? Is it because he's a true star that can actually you know be the centerpiece of a contending team, and? He proved with his, you know, eight zero run. I mean, you, we can get into whether they deserve to be in the playoff, you know, actual playoff bubble, and you know all that stuff on, a, on another day. But he proved on that stage where everybody, with all all eyes watching him, everybody, you know, saying, "Okay, are are the Suns legit?" He proved that that he could be the centerpiece of a very strong contending spur, uh, Suns team. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I, def I think the, the Murray and the Booker, their outbreaks are a little bit different uh, just in because, you know, Booker, he has been known or he's been labeled as a guy who puts up empty stats um, and Murray almost to a sense in the same way. But he had the playoff run where he pretty much, you know, dissolved any thought mm -hmm. of that or any theory that, you know, he's actually just an empty stat guy. Booker, yeah. on the other hand, I'm still a little hesitant I obviously Booker is the guy and he's a future all-star and he's the, he's really, really good. But I think that eight Oh run can be a little uh, mistelling. And I've kind of even talked about before, but you know, the first four games that the Suns played were were all competitive games. The last four, they didn't play a team that was trying. So I want to see Booker do that across a, a 40 game stretch and yeah, see what not eight game stretch yeah like not an eight not not it was really more of a four game four or six game stretch of actual basketball that they were playing like i mean the last two or three games i'm pretty sure they were playing against like it was bench units because you know every team that was down there was already in the playoffs and they had their spot solidified so they didn't need to you know dole out all their best players for 40 minutes in that game so 
Booker still did really well, and he should have been the co-MVP or whatever with Dame, or, or Dame ended up winning it, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I do – I just want to see it extended a little bit longer. Yeah. So, I, Murray, I think that's – Murray has definitely established himself because – you don't you don't come back three one twice as the as circumstances. So, yeah, yeah. You, you you could argue that Murray did what Booker what we ex- hoped Booker would have done in those same shoes. You know, had the Suns gotten in that gotten in with one of those last spots and mm-hmm. and you, you know on that stage, Murray took that next step that that we are all kind of hoping. What you're what you're explaining that forty game stretch, Murray did that in the bubble, in the playoff bubble that we expect Booker to do in the when the regular season begins. Yeah. Whenever that, whenever that starts, a pretty good sample size, and that's what Murray had. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, what? Okay, is there any final thoughts on NBA bubble? Um, you know, any you know surprising takes? Did anybody underperform? Is there anybody that? that, uh, you know, you hoped more out of among Kentucky guys before we, uh, you know, go on to the next next topic at hand? Um, well, I'll, I'll go back to the very beginning thing we were saying where, uh, you know, they had zero positive tests the whole time. And I even think – I think we all expected them to have at least one positive test. And, you know, Adam Silver even kind of said at the very beginning, he was like, we're not going to stop this thing if we have a test, like a positive yeah. test. So they were – that, I think – you know, getting through the bubble itself was an impressive, but to do it with zero tests, I think was the most impressive aspect. And then, you know, we talked about, you know, well, why are the announcers or like these people wearing masks in like on the outside of the uh, sidelines? And it was like those, it was little minor things like that were the reason that the bubble worked. So, and then, you know, having to do the, when they brought the families in and quarantining them for 10 days, um, making sure that they're all good to go. So, all that stuff was uh, just impressive all around. I wanted to give another shout out. Uh, but obviously the Clippers were the most underwhelming team, not necessarily any UK connection there, but we'll see uh, how uh, Pandemic P and Kawhi respond next year um, to that one. I think the Lakers should probably go in as your uh, favorites to start the season um, for the finals again once uh, starting next year. But in terms of uh, UK players that might have underperformed, I really, I, honestly, most of the UK players did really well that were down there. Um, Enos Cantor probably could have done a little bit better, but I don't even know what I should be expecting from him anymore at this point in his career. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you know more than more than most about Enos Cantor just being very, very good he or is, very, very terrible at the exact same time. He, he is what he is. Yeah. So just for the most part, I think UK players really did, and I've even wrote about it on KSR how this bubble was just a very big. UK recruiting pitch you know you just had guys going out like Booker was the story of the regulars or the seeding games and then he had mm-hmm. seven or eight UK players in the playoffs all making noise I mean there was times where you had Eric Bledsoe, Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Jamal Murray, Anthony Davis, Rajon Rondo all playing at like the exact same time so that was pretty cool uh, just mm-hmm. as a Kentucky fan to see all that it's been the, the culmination of the last 10 years of John Calipari basketball was what we saw uh, in the in the finals, yeah, and we've we've been waiting years. We've been waiting for this moment where it was like, all right, Calipari always puts these guys in the NBA. They, you know, we always talk about the track record and how things are going. Like, you know, there's we've been hearing it over and over and over again about, oh, 
you know, Calipari builds championship level guys. And, you know, these are the guys you want to build your team around and ball, you know, all that stuff. We've been waiting for that final. All right. Well, when is that going to start turning into, and they've had a built in excuses. I mean, there's a reason that the best players go to the worst teams because that that's how the NBA works. That's how drafts work. So it was kind of a little dumb to expect, you know, outside of like what well, you talk about, like a Jody Meek situation or, a, you know, like a Brandon Knight going to a random contender, or, you know, ring chasing like that we're seeing with that you see with, with some, well, some Boogie, teams. Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, really, I mean, Boogie was the guy that we all kind of expected would, would, would do that. Um, but now that we've kind of reached this point where it's like, all right, those guys are starting to turn. And I know this is a different example because Davis was traded there instead of, built it up on his own mm-hmm. um but you know i think we are we are starting to see th- those guys be the centerpieces on contending teams and i think that's what we've all been waiting for as kentucky fans and and uh it's it's a big moment big moment for calipari and he's been on every single media outlet and and you know under the sun talking about it and hyping his guys up and how excited he is about this. So mm-hmm. it's, it's cool to see him get that big moment finally that his, his guys won it. And, and, you know, I'm sure he's excited to see in the future this, this continue because as, as you said, uh, the, the momentum's not just going to stop. I mean, they're AD always going to be a contender with the Lakers. As long as he's there, we're starting, you know, we're, I mean, I just don't. I don't envision a scenario where where we don't see a contender every single year. With, this this you know, is year. This is year one. If you want to establish, this is the first year where Kentucky is just only going to continue to have uh, a greater impact on the NBA. Like they've always kind of you know been around and you know winning, going to All Stars and stuff, but winning a championship finally as the as one of the best players on the best team is really what sets yourself or establishes yourself in the league. Next is MVP. That's, that's really the last one that Cal really needs is he needs a player to get MVP. And I think part of the reason that that, that hasn't happened is because of these players always go to just god-awful, terrible teams. And uh, they don't start getting MVP votes until they go to a team like the Lakers where uh, they're going to get that media attention and finish in fifth. I think Davis finished fifth or sixth in MVP. Um, and LeBron clearly had a better year than him, and he finished second. So part of uh, – them not being able to get that that MVP yet is part of that, I think. And I I do think we're going to hit that MVP. I think it'll probably be within the next decade. Davis mm-hmm. probably has as good of a chance as anyone the next year. Um, you still got to look at guys like Luka Doncic, though, and Giannis and all that. So the next one, the next big one will be winning MVP. Uh, Davis, I think Booker's probably going to have a chance to do it uh, sometime soon. But, you know, this is, like you said, the momentum is not slowing down. Kentucky's if Cal's here for another decade and does another decade worth of recruiting that he has been, that's just another decade that's going to extend this run. So, you know, if you think about it, BJ Boston and Terrence Clark are 18 years old and they're not even in the NBA yet. So Mm -hmm. what are are they going to be doing when they're 28 in another decade? So, right. It's just like, this is, this was the first year where all those Cal players have finally started to hit their prime and start getting on a roll. And it's just, it's, it's a snowball now. It's not going anywhere. Even 10, yeah. 10, 15 years after he's gone, 20 years after Cal Perry has left Kentucky, there will be NBA players uh, in the league making an impact that came from Lexington. Yep. They're, yeah, I, that's the best way to put it. And uh, the, the momentum is only going to continue from here. Um, all right. Uh, we've gone on a, a lot about the NBA. We 
don't need to talk too, too much about some of these other topics, but I uh, figured it'd be stupid not to at least address them um, before we wrap this thing up. The, I think the biggest news of the day is uh, Sports Illustrated reported that um, the NCAA is set to approve the one-year instant transfer rule without, you know, without penalty. Uh, I believe they're going to vote on it officially in January. It's expected to pass and then go into effect, I believe, August of 2021 for the for next basketball season. So by the time these incoming recruits right now are going to be on campus, that you know, we're going to see it for for next basketball, not this this upcoming one, but for next season. That in itself is just absolutely massive news. You know, talking to guys around the UK program, they've kind of sort of been planning on this. Um, part of the reason why they're not just, you know, going all in on the 2021 recruiting class and, and you know, going crazy about missing on, on some of those top targets. And, you know, it's because they know that they have this kind of in their back pocket. They're going to have a line out the door to get anybody that they want. The best college basketball players in America are going to have the opportunity to uh, you know, transfer to Kentucky and play immediately. So it's not going to be a race for getting the top 10 players in the country, top 15 players in the country in terms of recruits. It's going to be, you know, the Luca Garza's of the world and the, you know, the, the, the national player of the years that's, that's they're playing for, you know, low end schools. Those guys are now up for grabs. The, the polished complete products. It's going to be NCAA free agency moving forward. So what do you think of this rule going into a, into effect? And uh, you know, what do you, what does this mean for college basketball? Well, I, I, it's obviously a good thing. I've, it's a long time coming. It's something that should have been done forever. It's, it's ridiculous that they're still waiting another year to put it into effect. It should just be allowed to happen right now. But it is like it is very much a great thing for just college basketball and the player empowerment movement that we're kind of in right now. Um, it's kind of the next step in that little uh, era. So it's definitely good to see that they're finally going to push it through. Um, and like you were saying with the 2021 class, like recruiting class, the Kentucky women's team is kind of doing the same thing. They only have one recruit for that class. Yeah. They're not even, they're not even looking at it. They're putting all their marbles into 2022 because they've got three incoming transfers from uh, two from sec schools, another from Maryland that are going to be able to suit up for that year. Um, so they're kind of in that same boat where, you know, it's just going to open up. They can go after whoever they want. So uh, I do like it from that aspect. Being a Kentucky fan, I think helps. We're probably a little bit more in favor of it than a school like Luca Garza at Iowa. Iowa probably isn't as big of a fan of yeah. it as we are because they can lose someone like that. Um, and I, you know, places like Iowa don't necessarily get players like that. But you know, it can also help a team like Iowa. You know, they can re recruit someone from let's say what's a Iowa? What's a lower school in Iowa? I don't even know. Another school uh, in Iowa. Let's say Idaho, Idaho State has a good basketball player. There you go. Iowa, you got a good player right there. So it, it'll be good for everyone all around. It can definitely create a super team, though. And it's going to take mm -hmm. one team, one college will create a super team, and then the critics will start to pop up. And, you know, if I had to bet, it'd probably be Kentucky or Duke or UNC, someone, one, of the, one of them. Duke's yeah, probably the best bet. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a case of Kentucky is going to sign – Okay, let's. I mean, we're let's literally talk about what you know what's going on with this next class. So they already have Nolan Hickman committed. Hunter Salas is trending toward Kentucky, top six player in the country. Damian Collins is on the fence, Oklahoma or Kentucky. For this argument, he's a number ten player in the country. Let's just for this argument say he's going to Kentucky. Uh, you know, Salas, 
um, Damian Collins, say Sky Clark commits and then reclassifies, whatever. So you get that group of three or four or five star prospects and two or three, you know, probably two, four stars. Um, and then you have two or three guys return for, you know, say Lance Ware and Isaiah Jackson return. And Lance Ware, Isaiah Jackson, and Cameron Fletcher return. So you have the foundation of your team set. And the rest of the roster, if you think, oh, I think we need a little bit more star power at the wing position. Oh, I think uh, we need a little bit more, you know, depth and, and star power at the, you know, down low. You get – to fill the roster out with the best players in college basketball, you're not going to be relying on, eh, we, you know, could probably add another four-star reclass guy late in the process in the spring or a, a grad transfer that, you know, he's, he's probably going to be an impact guy, but you know, really how good can, you know, you, those questions are now out, out the door. Kentucky can now handpick the best recruit, the best recruits in terms of, of, of college basketball players to fit the roster best. These guys, the Luca Garza's of the world, those type of guys are going to want to transfer to the Kentuckys of the world because a, they need, they need, you know, draft stock to improve. Cause if they're, at Iowa after four years, there's a reason they're there's a reason there's a reason they were there for four years. It's because they are damn good college basketball players, but they're the hype that they need for NBA stock needs improvement. And that's where Kentucky comes in. They can say, okay, I can give you, and at the very least, I can make you a damn good overseas player. I can make you, if you're not an NBA, you know, if you're a Dakari Johnson of the world or whatever, you could still come to Kentucky and I'll teach you, I'll develop you to be, a damn good player and make a ton of money playing overseas or, you know, in the G league for a couple of years, get drafted and then go overseas, whatever the case is, there's, there's plenty of routes to, to, to take that will make you a ton of money that Kentucky will help you accomplish. And that's where this rule just becomes an absolute game changer for Kentucky. I mean, they're, they're now able to look at this and go, eh, we missed out on Paolo Bencaro. Okay. Yeah. We missed, you know, Jaden Hardy might go to the G league, you know, okay. We, we might get some, some misses here and there but you're always going to be able to replace them with somebody that's going to make an equal impact in terms of production that's already in the college level. You're going to be able to – Jaden Hardy is going to be a 20-point-per-game score at the college level. You're going to be able to find a similar type of, of pure scorer in, you know, that might not be has, have as high of an NBA ceiling. There's a reason that they, you know, they're year two, year three, year four in, in college, but – they're still going to give you that college level production that Kentucky needs to build championship level rosters. And that's, that's why, I mean, it's just absolute game changer from, from top to bottom. I do think that Kentucky fans should be prepared for the negative effects of it because there will be situations where we lose more recruits or more players than we have in the past due to transfers. Um, how old was Mark? Was Marcus Lee a junior when he left? Marcus Lee was a junior trying to decide whether he's going to come back for a senior year or, yeah. Or so yeah. like guys like him, they're not going to wait that long. First of all, like yeah. Marcus Lee, if he, if, you know, if he had a one or two years at Kentucky where he was like, eh, you know, do I need to wait another year? Whatever. He's just going to dip out, you know, yeah. because why, why stick around? And, you know, he eventually did. And I'm sure part of the reason he stayed around for so long is because he had to wait that whole year. And it, you know, those, those, uh, that option isn't going to be there anymore. So I think there's going to be those players that, you know, Cal says don't fit that instead of waiting around for a year or two, are just, uh, just going to dip on out. And, uh, you know, that's something I think we're going to have to be prepared for. And 
not yell at uh, 18 year old kids for making that choice. Cause it's going to happen. It's going to happen mm-hmm. a lot. I think, uh, especially now more that just, the, they're going to have the freedom to do so. And, you know, some of them will probably be uh, short sighted decisions, but at the same time, you know, this, this is what giving that power is about. Yeah. And I, I'm totally okay with that because I know that Kentucky will be able to replace whatever departs if right. they're, if they come here and they're not an immediate one and done type guy, that means that they are a multi-year need development, you know, Khalil Whitney's of the world, Johnny Juzang type guys that you can replace Johnny Juzang's production. You know, I mean, he's a really good player. Wish, wish Kentucky were able to, to hold on to him, but those are going to be the type of guys that leave that you, I mean, you can, you can obviously, you know, re- replace it in some form or fashion. So I, I just think there's probably a less, there's probably a less likelihood of us having an Alex Poitras, mm-hmm. like a four year yes. guy that yeah. comes in, you know, starts at the bottom and then slowly, well, I guess he didn't start at the bottom. He started at the damn, all the way at the damn top and then fell to the bottom. But you know what I'm saying? So you're not going to see as many of those players because they don't need to stay to, to their seniors because they don't have that year gap. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there, there will be some, challenges and, and and difficulties that that come with this and it's oh, going to be chaotic i mean it's going to be a very very chaotic time for everybody in college basketball but it's it, you know it's it's a step in the right direction i personally think i mean why why can a head coach yeah that leave, was always the argument leave on the job and then go take a you know get a promotion somewhere else why can the head coach at appalachian state leave and take the job at Louisville mm-hmm. the next day and, you know, he can get a promotion, but these kids can't promote that was, themselves. That was the only argument you ever needed. Or, yeah. I mean, it's, it's because it's, it's just free will. Hypocritical. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So, so it was, it's great that they're finally doing it. Just a long time coming. Should have done forever ago. It's ridiculous that it's not even happening right now though. And we still have to deal with Olivier Saar and all this. Yeah. Well, speaking of Olivier Saar and we'll, we'll end it with this. Um, the, NCAA is set to vote either today or tomorrow on on a, that that blanket extra year of of eligibility that would by rule take out the SEC's argument for not approving his waiver right now. So um, there's a bylaw I read it on the on our the, the uh, other sources they show last week that there's a bylaw that essentially states that if you are transferring into the SEC you must have at least two years of eligibility remaining. uh, Or if you don't, you must have, you know, stay on campus for a full year of residency before being declared eligible the following year. So basically their argument is Olivier Saar is transferring in with one year of eligibility remaining because of, as as a non-grad student, grad transfer player, He's coming in with two years of eligibility remaining. And because of that, he has to sit out for a full year before playing next season. Because of this blanket rule, he will have two years of eligibility because this year will not count. It will be a free blanket year of eligibility. And then next year he will have the, you know, the, the second year of of eligibility. So um, are they expecting, are they taking into the account that Olivier Sar is probably going to go to the draft? Regardless? Doesn't matter. Doesn't, Doesn't matter. matter. He he has right now one year of eligibility remaining. He has to have two. Doesn't matter what the case is. 
he now legally has two years of eligibility remaining by this rule going into effect. So by their own rules, they, it, they would have no reason to, but to not approve him. So uh, I, I think this is a case that we could hear it and the, the rule we pass and we could hear something almost immediately afterward because the NCAA has already approved this case. There's right. no reason to wait on. I mean, we saw how quickly that we saw the, the movement on, um, the Joey Gatewood situation in football where that the, just happened. The, it felt like the SEC presidents came together on a vote for similar situation, you know, interconference, you know, waiting out a year transfers, they met together, they revoted. And then that evening we got a report, Hey, Joey Gatewood's eligible. Let's celebrate. So it feels like we could get something very similar in that, in that case that, uh, that, you know, I, I, I have no reason to believe that, Olivier Sar will not be eligible if they implement this free blanket year of eligibility. There's no, there's no legal reason why he would not be eligible. So we could potentially hear something in the coming days. Don't know why we wouldn't. I mean, they, the report is that they are going to vote on it either today, Tuesday after, you know, Tuesday afternoon, we're recording this or tomorrow, Wednesday, that they're going to vote on it. Why would we not get something, you know, get something immediate afterward? So Makes sense. That's my gut that I, I personally am, am under the assumption that, that we will get news of some sort, especially with the, with the blanket eligibility year. And then in some form or fashion, the Olivier Sar news and the not so distant future after that. So um, that'll, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, that we'll, we'll have lots of reason to celebrate and enjoy ourselves. So yeah, that'll that'll be good. And uh, th- this was fun. I enjoyed this this quite a bit. Um, we again don't know how long this version of this show will be on the Source of Safe feed. Well, you know, the goal is for us to create our own our own thing and uh, and you know have this be like the quick newsy update show. So we'll keep you guys updated on that. And, and until then, uh, we are. Uh, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you coming on, Zach. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, we got about a six-week break until basketball starts again. So we do got we got plenty to talk about and plenty of time to do it. We do, we do. All right. Well, uh, w- uh, until until we figure out things on our end, uh, where where can fans find your work? Kentucky Sports Radio and my and Twitter, I'll, Zach yeah. B. Gagan KSR. Yeah. How well that, they will definitely need oh, to, wow. you to spell that uh, out for them. Z capital Z. Then Gagan, G-E-O-G-H-E-G-A-N. It's the triple G. Just remember that. There you go. KSR. All righty. Well, you can find my work on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at J Pilgrim. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> P-I-L-G-R-I-M. You guys, you guys, you guys should know that by now. Um, uh, reach out to me via email J Pilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we will be back later this week uh, with another jam-packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you then. Yeah.